Our scripture reading today is from Colossians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for God's, all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day he heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy." For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. You know, I love those words, uh, and if you've been here for any length of time at Mosaic, you know those, really, those words really are true of us. We've seen that in him all things really do hold together. If you're new here today, again, we want to welcome you, but uh, if you're new, you may not recognize we're doing something a little different, or actually a lot different this morning, and before I go any further, I want to introduce to you a couple of these fine, fine people on the stage next to me. This is uh, Dr. John Lloyd, and this is Galen Washington, and along with me, my name is Morgan, we serve as the elder team here at Mosaic. So would you give these, these gentlemen a hand, please? Yeah, they're fantastic, fantastic folks. Uh, today is a really special Sunday at Mosaic, and, and I hope a kind of a, an historic one as well, and I hope you'll, you'll see why here in just a few moments. But this morning, today, we want to do three things. First, we want to tell you a story. We want to tell you a story of our church, what we've seen God doing in it and through it over the years. So number one, we want to tell you a story. Number two, we hope to, as we tell you a story, to encourage you and to inspire you as to the kind of a church that you are a part of today. 
or maybe visiting if that's you. So as we tell you a story, as we inspire and encourage you, number three, at the end, we're going to come back and do a financial ask of sorts. We're going to do a kind of a financial ask and actually ask you to get involved with the church financially in a way I hope you think is really exciting. I think it's exciting and I hope you'll think it's exciting as well. So like I said, at the end, we're going to be making a financial ask. But before we do that, and to lead up to it first, I'd like to sort of open up the hood of the church and to begin by telling you a story, the story of this church, its history, where we've come from, some stuff we've been through, and a bit about where we're going, and to kick things off and to begin our story time together class. Here is Dr. John Lloyd. Good morning, everybody. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Morgan, for that wonderful introduction. Now, I'm going to try and keep this on point. Uh, I'm on about my fourth or fifth cup of coffee this morning. I worked yesterday and last night, so we'll try and keep it high and tight and focused. Um, But what we're going to talk about today is more than just any kind of story. It's not a bedtime story. It's not a a romance story. It's not an adventure story per se, although there's lots of adventure in it. What we're going to talk about today is really a testimonial. This is a testimony to the power of God in this church. The fact that he has seen us and knows us and loves us. Mm -hmm. And if anything you take away from today, I hope that you're able to see your life in the context of God who created the heavens and the earth, who knows every cell in your body, yet knows every relationship you have, every financial need that you have. And not only does he see them, but he cares about them. And he is powerful to move and change your circumstances. Now, we're going to go through a story that says ups and downs. It's got high points and low points. Um, but again, I want us to see that the central figure of this story today is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified for you and me and risen to conquer death and sin in our own lives. Now, if you go back to where we started, we started here 22 years ago as a church called Morning Star Christian Church of Austin. Now, it was planted uh, by a team from Morning Star Churches, which is now known as Every Nation. Uh, From the beginning, we have been about two things. We have been about about being a multi-ethnic representation of the kingdom of God, and we have been about planting college ministries to reach college students. Now, 22 years later, we're certainly more than just that, But I'm very proud to say that we're not less than that today either. Mm. Now, uh, about four years into this church plant in in 1999, things behind the scenes got a little bit uh, sideways. And the team that planted the team decided, the team that planted the church originally decided to move the church, uh, to plant a new church in San Diego, California. The pastor that took over the church at that time uh, moved the church from downtown where it met in a, in a, ho- in a hotel, in Doubletree Hotel. Now, uh, I don't see Dave out here, but Dave's one of the few that, that actually set up chairs and took them down and loaded vans. Actually, uh, actually I, I did that too, John. I, uh, I loaded the chairs and drove the vans too. The, Thank you. The, at the, Morgan, Morgan the, has a at theme the du- of... Du- Doubletree, yes. He always, dro- he always drove the vans, you know, and I believe this van had a hole in the floor. It you did could have see a hole the, in the floor, right yeah. in the floor. You could it, see the, the ground when you're driving it. So. So, so in 1999, we moved from a situation where we had to, tear it, to, to set it up and tear it down every Sunday into an amazing, luxurious strip mall. 
This was a renovated Tuesday morning. It was off of Anderson and Mopac. Um, but, you know, God blessed us tremendously there. Um, at that same time, that the church was also leading a ministry that focused on, on college uh, athletes and, and, and professional uh, athletes. Uh, at one point, they were ministering to about 10% of the players in the NFL. They also ministered to NBA players and NHL uh, teams. So God was, was seeing amazing things happen in, in a, a, a powerful entertainment uh, area in our, in our culture where people were being saved and marriages were being rescued and there were healings. Uh, it was about this time that my wife and I uh, came to the church. Uh, Morgan was also recruited here, as he so clearly pointed out, that he got to move those chairs uh, from the University of Houston to lead the campus ministry here at UT. Um, the ministry uh, on the campus was flourishing. So from a certain vantage point, things in the church were really flourishing. But we'll, as we'll get to a theme here that on the inside, the character of the leadership had a dark center that eventually showed its head. In 2004, the leadership of the church, uh, the senior pastor of the church, was called under review for largely abuse of power, abuse of people, and finances, and for those uh, things was fired. Now, about this same time or a number of months before this, a very senior Bible teacher within the Every Nation world relocated to, to Austin, Texas. The idea was to use it as a uh, base for his uh, teaching ministry. Um, but when this uh, first, uh, second pastor was fired, um, uh, the interim pastor decided to take a, an opportunity to pastor a church in Houston. Uh, this senior Bible teacher uh, stepped in as the third uh, senior pastor of, of our church. Now, at the same time, he, he changed the name of the church to Christ Community Church, which many of you uh, may, may recall. Um, and we had the opportunity to move from a leased facility in the strip mall to this present facility in the spring of 2007. And so, again, uh, there was a, a period of stability. There was even a period of, of, of uh, growth. But under the surface... Despite what appeared to be prosperity, there was a, a, a character challenge in the leadership that was largely uh, uh, surrounding fear and being very self-focused that then translated into an unhealthy church culture that led to hemorrhaging of people with the subsequent decline in finances uh, in 2007. Um, and so uh, after a series uh, of the, the, the decline began in 2007. Uh, and so after a series of, of meetings in, in 2009, and I say a series of meetings, I see Paul out there, it was more than just a series of meetings, it was meeting after meeting after meeting, uh, but, but this senior Bible teacher uh, stepped down and actually moved out of state, uh, seemingly leaving the church uh, in a state of free fall. Uh, I believe at that point he had preached four or 5,000 messages the cumulative number of messages that had been preached by people left in charge after he left, I think, was four. Um, so it was a dramatic situation. You can see the adult attendance there. Um, talk about a welcome into the leadership of a church. Um, you see 2009, that's quarterly adult attendance. Uh, and you can see how that, that line is, is plummeting there. Now, it would be easy to see that. And, and think, oh, this is, this is terrible. Uh, this is the product of, of just a few uh, men's sin. And there's a truth to that. 
But I also want to give a, d- a degree of honor because those men that transitioned out of senior leadership in this church had been serving God for decades prior to this. And they didn't get to the problem of their crisis overnight. It happened bit by bit. There are men and women who are in the gospel and in the, in the ministry today serving God because they were cha- their lives were changed by those senior leaders. Um, and we, we sang earlier, glory to glory. Now, I want, you wouldn't look at that and immediately think glory to glory. It, it, it looks like fallen to fallen. But let me tell you, God used that season to bless this church and to change us. And as that song said, change us and I'll never be the same. We have never been the same as a church because of the trials that God carried us through. Now, I, wanna, I could preach on this forever, but, but if, I, if I do, I'll get the Morgan, you need to hurry up look, so I'll, I'll keep going. But, but we are gonna, we're going to look at what I think are three challenges that, that occurred at each of these transitions with respect to leadership in the church. And they are uh, about possession of the church, they are uh, purpose of the church, and power within the church. And we'll turn back to our, our uh, chapter uh, in Colossians and start with our possession. In verse 18, you see, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. See, church, we belong as the church, not to a person, not to an organization, not to a team. We don't exist to give people jobs and pay for mortgages. We exist to be the church of Jesus Christ. We are his church. We are his church. We are his church. And when we begin to think that we belong to a person or or a team, then we've begun to to fail to fulfill the the purpose that we've been called to. Now, as to our purpose... For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. You see, the church is first and foremost to be a leader in the reconciliation of culture unto God its creator. God created us, designed us for a purpose, and as a result of the fall, we have a separation there. The church is a tool specifically designed by God to lead that culture into reconciliation with Him. And when leadership becomes about itself, when it becomes about the leaders and not about those being led, again, it fails in a fundamental purpose. Now, leadership everywhere, but more specifically in the church, is to be about being a servant. God designed us as a church and leadership within the church to serve in that reconciliation process. And last, to power. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Now, power is a tricky thing in the hands of people. Because of its ability to be abused. We are so fortunate that we have this example in the scriptures of what God considers power. God gave us a, power, a model of power that is not grasped, but is laid aside. He leverages it not to his own profit, but for the sake of others, even unto the point of his own death. That's how he shows us to use power 
Now, when this church has struggled, it has struggled largely because these truths have been forgotten. This church isn't ultimately ours or yours. It must be about His kingdom and under His authority and His authority alone. Church leaders and pastors get into trouble when they forget these things. But it's not just leaders who struggle here. You and I as church members can struggle here just as well. This church isn't your church. It's not my church. It's not your children's church or your grandchildren's church or even the people out there who don't come to this church. It's not first and foremost their church. It is first, foremost, and forever Jesus Christ's church. And when we remember that, we will stay on target and be able to be the salt in life that our culture needs us to be. Amen. Not a great thought. This church always has been and always will be Jesus' church. And because of that mindset, that really influences the way that we lead as an elder team and also the pastoral team. And there are three things amongst many that we're going after, um, and I want to show them on the screen now. Planning for the generations that will follow. We are thinking about the youth. We're thinking about the babies. We're looking deep into, the, into our, our nebulous catch of children back there in uh, Promised Land or in uh, uh, M-Kids, and we realize we have a generation of children that we need to make space for. We're serious about making space for future leaders. Um, You know, there are a lot of people in here that God's given talents and gifts to. Part of our role is to make space and find ways to help each person find their God-given calling in the church and out of the church, and also reproducing and replacing ourselves. Uh, Dr. John and I talk about this all the time. But we, we're excited about the day that we can sit back when we're old and gray, although you won't know when I'm actually gray. Yeah, I'm, I'm already there. He's already, he's already there. But to be able to sit back and see the fruit of all the leadership that's sitting up front as we kind of, we kind of take a back seat. And we're not looking to hoard power. We're looking for the, the opportunity to give it away justly, to give it away, to distribute it, to distribute weight and responsibility in a way that honors God and honors those who God has sent so that we can bless the nation, so that we can start right here in our own backyard, but bless the nations. Amen? Amen. How many of you know that the truth is, by the time that you look up and realize that you need new leaders, that you're probably already a little bit too late. You're probably Mm -hmm. a little bit behind the curve. And that thought, that leadership thought, that's a principle that influences how we think. We need to be actively engaged in asking the Lord, whom have you sent, and what ought we be doing to draw out of them what you've put in them? Now, we're never going to do it perfectly, but that's our heart. Amen? Amen. All right, let me get back to our story and talk about God's amazing grace that he showed to us through the gift of Dr. John Lloyd and Aaron Day. So, Dr. John and Aaron Day were here with Pastor Number 2. They endured the transition from Pastor Number 2 to Pastor Number 3, as you guys heard. And I can personally attest, as I watched this process, Simone and I, my wife, Simone, we were new here, and I was, I was astonished at the, the amount of weight and pressure and warfare that was going on. Now I recognize the world doesn't talk about uh, spiritual warfare and demonic attacks, but guys, I'm going to tell you something. There was a war going on for the fate of this church. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Some of y'all know, and y'all can testify with me as I go. Toward the very end of the third pastor's tenure, John became a board member, and when that pastor resigned, wait for it, (laughs) Dr. John became the interim senior pastor for this church. 
a neonatologist, Doogie Hauser looking <laughs> genius I'm, of a man. I'm way too old for that. <laughs> way too old for that. A father, a husband, a business leader is also leading the church. It was a phenomenal feat. But when I talk about warfare, I also remember the horrific situation that he and his wife had to endure when Aaron Day, his wife, lost her father and stepmother to a murder-suicide. Literally, guys, all in the same season. It was a war. God was fighting for something and giving us a privilege to participate in his reconciliatory process, and it was amazing. But they sought God's will in spite of all the turmoil. They established a pastoral search committee, and after a number of months, the illustrious Morgan Stevens was invited to become our lead pastor. Morgan would join the church as a lead pastor and not a senior pastor um, as part of a new church governance system called an eldership. And essentially what an eldership is, is it's it's co-leading or co-governing together, right? But with distinctive roles. Morgan Stevens is the lead pastor of this church. He is the lead communicator. He is the lead of the staff. John and I, as you guys heard, John mentioned what happens when one person is given so much authority and so much room to move and make decisions in and of himself or herself. That's too much weight for any one person. So John and I have the privilege of walking alongside Morgan, wrestling, talking, sometimes fighting, but we fight well, I think, guys, right? Morgan's like, I don't know. Yes. I like- <laughs> that was an encouraging vote of confidence. <laughs> um, I like to say that many churches have elders, but not many are elder-led. And so there's a distinction because we genuinely are elder-led. And we pay a price because we take longer to get things done because we have to think and talk about it. And the church, uh, the, the deacons and the staff, y'all all said... <laughs> Amen. Do I hear Barnabas? Where's Barnabas? <laughs> Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Look, so this was a huge step for Morgan and Carrie. Morgan had already, he had moved to Nashville, Tennessee to, to head up the uh, director of uh, ENC, um, which meant he was traveling all around the U.S. and sometimes outside of the states, being catalytic on college campuses, uh, using his prophetic gift to stir up uh, growth and, and, uh, and really support those, those campus ministries. And so they had moved in 08 for him to take that position. And here we are asking him to return. And that was not an easy decision. But of course, Morgan and Carrie are amazing Christians and they prayed and asked God for wisdom as they ought to. And they read their Bible. He likes to say a lot too. And so they prayed and they read their Bible and God spoke to them and gave them peace about returning back to a church they love in 2010, this church. Somebody ought to clap for that. The board, the legacy board, voted to dissolve itself, and then a new board was formed with the new elders, and that was, of course, Morgan Stevens, John, and also a gentleman who is not here today. His name is Glenn Milburn. It should be a picture of him and his family. Some of you guys remember Glenn. Um, Glenn, he's an amazing man. He's a retired NFL football player, but more importantly, an amazing man of God. Amen. Yes. Wow. Um, so the church had a pretty interesting start um, after the transition and after the elder team got formed. Um, we had a mass exodus of members. It was a, it was a, you can hear membership a whoosh. Membership drive. Membership drive. Yeah, that's right. Right out. You can hear a whooshing sound. 
Um, also, Glenn Milburn, that pillar that we just referenced, that pillar of a family uh, got called to a work assignment in California. And uh, so Glenn and his family, he, he left. And I, I remember watching this like, whoa, he just stepped up and Glenn just stepped out. It was crazy. Also, there was a family here who gave a third of the church's budget, um, of, our, our, of our monthly operating budget. He, he that, did say a third. A third. That family left and took their giving with them, as they probably should have. <laughs> but that was a shock to the system. Our church finances were, were ultimately dead. We had a couple of options. We could either terminate the staff, that we had our dwindled staff, right? Or we could allow the bank to foreclose on our property, um, both of which would have ultimately spelled doom for the church. And so what did we do? We cried out to God and asked him for a miracle. Shortly after that financial, that family that gave a lot financially, after they left, we had a business approach us and wanted to rent or lease our space across the street. And they essentially wanted to do a five-year lease. We said, okay. We signed up for a five-year lease. We had one year to do what's called lease tenant improvements, which meant for one year we probably weren't going to see a dime of that rent. They were going to be allowed to improve the property instead of paying us the rent. So we took the deal and said, okay, God, we're going to trust you. And then we, uh, we, struggled, we struggled to pay our bills, right? It was important to know that we'd had that property on the market for a number of years and had almost no serious bites. And right at the point where we needed it, we had a company that came in, was willing to put the, the tenant improvements in and lease the building. So the very month our savings had dwindled to where we were at zero, that check that kicked in, it, it literally saved our bacon, guys. We had no more money in our savings, and then the renter's check, a check kicked in at the appropriate time, and that was God's providence. And guys, let me ask you something. Can you guess when we received that check that actually kicked in? It was resurrection week of April, 12, April 2012. All God's timing. God had literally resurrected our finances and saved us financially. Um, that lease has ended, and now we fill that space out with the staff. We use it for training. We use it for grow classes, etc. And uh, we're just flourishing now. Amen. Yeah, and that uh, that was the, actually the, the the group that rented the place ended up paying dollar for dollar what our significant giver had given when he left. And amazing. So yeah, the, the month we were at zero, God kicked all all that in. Guys, let's look at a slide real quick. Um, so this is our growth trend. From, let's see, 2010 to current, that's about a 300% increase in total growth. And, and we don't boast in our own strength, guys. When you look at that, Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Guys, you are here, we are here, because God and Jesus Christ has been holding us together by the word of his power. Amen. Yeah, we're not smart enough to do that. We're not prophetic enough to do that. We're not gifted enough to do that. But Jesus is. He's, that's who he is. Um, and, of course, this all brings me to the point where I'm able to talk about the gift of God that is Galen Washington to this church. After Glenn Milburn left uh, in the story, uh, Glenn moved to California. Galen uh, and his wife, Simone, his family had been here, and he had been serving as a deacon and leading a number of things. And it became clear that Galen was a person God was tapping on the shoulder to fill the vacancy that was left by Glenn's departure. So as he's done that, as he stepped in, the church has really grown, uh, as you can see by that slide there, that's due to Galen's leadership, to so many other people's leadership, to our deacon team's leadership, to our staff's leadership, our volunteers 
volunteers, leadership, your leadership here, and uh, where, where we are today. And as we've done that, we've gone, gone and grown from one service to two services. Now this year we're at three services, and as we've done that, we've done our best within our budget to really maintain a specific kind of tension. And that tension is the tension we feel between meeting our needs internally and at the same time being a blessing to the community around us financially. Being a blessing to the world around us financially, being a blessing to God's kingdom financially. And one of the things we determined early on was that the church did not exist for itself. The church does not exist for itself or to fund people's lifestyles. And so year in and year out, we had determined we are going to give as much as we can away. And I, I asked our folks in accounting just this past week, I said, how much are we giving? Because we want to give more and more away every year. And they said, we are just under giving away 20% of our overall budget. Not just a tithe, but basically double uh, uh, tithe into the community, into the world from what we receive in financially. And actually, I mentioned that to John, and he had this interesting little footnote for me. Well, when I remember stepping in uh, in the spring of 2000 or early 2009 and met with Julie, and we were going through the budget, we were way in the red. But one of the things that most grieved me is as we looked at what giving we were doing, it was almost none. Uh, by God's grace, by the end of 2009, we'd gotten up to 1% or 2% of our budget, so we hadn't, we hadn't gotten uh, very far, but we had been making little steps. And look how far God's taken us today. I mean, to go from giving 1% or 2% in 2009 to giving almost 20% uh, of our budget away in 2017, I mean, that deserves a round of hand. I mean, that's yeah. God. Yeah. So because of you and your faithful giving, we've been able to be a blessing, a blessing to so many groups and mission agencies and nonprofits in our city and around the world. And I want to take a moment because it's really important for you to see this and just pause and show you a brief list of all the people and mission groups and organizations that we support. And this is going to be sort of a flyby here and I'll talk about a couple of them, but it's pretty lengthy. There's ADRN, uh, Austin Lit, the Benevolence Fund that we have, Breath of Life. That works with uh, expecting mothers in tough situations. Kai Street, that's the homeless. City Life Church in Houston, that was our Live Big Sunday. All that's campus ministry groups, Fostering Hope Austin, more campus missionaries, Kajeo Gardens, that's in Rwanda, Live Oak, what we do over there. We provide food over the weekend for many, many kids who would not eat if it weren't for our giving, and some of you have even raised your own money personally to do that. There's a Springs Church, our church plant in San Marcos, Starry Works to Foster Kids, Syria, Tim Belicha, that's in South Africa. Here's a lengthy group of missionaries we support, uh, Austin Fontenot to, to Julio Cerrone, he's doing a church plant in San Luis Potosi, brand new church plant there. Uh, Victor Liao's in China, Matt Rash in, uh, in France, in the, the Eberlays, in uh, Niger. So there's so many groups and missionaries that we have supported over the years. And in the middle of all that, though, as we give all that money away, our internal needs continue to grow significantly because of that growth chart that you saw. And especially with respect to our physical plant, our facility here. Now, it's important for you to know, we don't consider this facility to be the church. The people of God are the church. We are, we, the God's people are the ecclesia, the called out ones. But it's important for you, just like a family would have a place to meet for, God's people to meet in. And just like your home isn't your family, right? You would never call your house your family because your family is the people, right? Or your apartment isn't you, you're you, right? But yet you have a place where your family gathers or where you live to be able to, to meet, to gather, and to show hospitality to people who come 
come in. And that brings me to this thought. And I don't know if you noticed, but on that growth slide chart there, there's actually a specific group of people that we show hospitality to week in and week out and that we must continue to show hospitality to week in, week out. And that is our children, your children, our children. And as you can see by that blue number there, that's the kid portion of the overall attendance, our children's ministry. Thanks to so many of you. Week in and week out and month in and month out, that is growing. Uh, that's growing leaps and bounds, and especially since 2010, you can see that number taking off, and as that number has grown, we have converted every single last inch of space over there to become a children's classroom. We used to have a conference room over there. It's now a children's ministry room. We used to have like a supply closet. It's now a children's classroom. Uh, I used to have an office over there. It's now a children's classroom. It, we've built more rooms, as you know, and we've got some needs for some more over there, that number is growing, and actually this uh, fall in particular, we've seen another spike, especially in our middle school, high school ministry there under the leadership of Wendell Williams, just by adding that, that third service, additional Elevate and uh, MU uh, meeting there. We've grown from 40 to 80 middle school and high schoolers a week in there, and I hope that's encouraging to you, and that brings me now. Uh, to something that I also want to show you that I think is also encouraging. And as we talk about our, our needs here in our facility and all that together, we want to tell you another kind of a story in the middle of all that. It's kind of a sub-story. And the sub-story is the story of this facility because how many of you know if walls could speak... They would have a tale to tell. They'd have a story to tell. And this facility has a story to tell that really mirrors and parallels our story as a, ch- as a church. It's a story of God's goodness and providence. And so we want to show you this video. It's a video about the story of our facility. Here we go. This is a facility that belongs to the people of Mosaic Church of Austin. A property that ironically and divinely resides in two counties. To the south lies the historically more liberal Travis County, represented by the blue, and to the north, the historically more conservative Williamson County, represented by the red. We consider this to be a divine illustration as to both who we are called to be and who we are called to serve. But before we discuss the who or the how, we feel it is important that you understand, and therefore, we would like to take a moment to explain that our church is not just a location for our members to congregate, nor is it just a building. It is a unique tool that God has used time and again to remind us of his grace, love, and sovereignty. Where some would see buildings, we see stories. So sit back and let us tell you some stories of some of the crazy and unpredictable ways that God has provided for us and our facility. Let's begin with the roof. When we procured the building for $2 million less than the asking price, the roof was badly in need of repair. It was going to cost at least a few hundred thousand to do so, which was money the church did not have at the time. And as we were drawing near to having to make a decision because of leaks and other issues that a faulty roof causes, a timely hailstorm destroyed our already heavily damaged roof, which allowed us to make an insurance claim that paid to replace the roof and skylights on all three buildings, giving us a brand new roof, which lowered our energy bills. Prior to that, in 2008, an Israeli flag, which was hanging in front of our building to represent one of the many nations we're called to love and pray for, was taken down, wrapped around brick, doused in gasoline, lit, and thrown through one of our windows, thankfully, after business hours. The sprinkler system shut off valve malfunction, causing thousands of dollars worth of water damage. 
Unbeknownst to our assailants, however, our children's ministry area was in need of new carpet and repainted walls. And an insurance plate allowed us to upgrade. When our fence needed to be replaced, a crazy local windstorm picked up the fence and kindly moved it out of the way, creating the opportunity and possibility for the fence we have now. When our parking lot needed to be repaved, BMW was simultaneously having a problem finding parking for their inventory and their employees. So they made a timely offer to rent parking lot B for their employees, which over the course of a year covered the $67,000 cost of repaving both parking lots A and B. And one final highlight, our current office building. During a trying season of being in between pastors and losing several significant members, God brought renters that renovated the building as part of their rental agreement and provided the means for the church to continue to function without any major financial loss. What is the moral of the story? One, of course, as we've said, is that this building is more than a building. This building is a story of God's providential provision for his people. But a second, larger truth is that God really does work all things for the good of those who love him. For us, he has worked hailstorms, windstorm, violence, and poverty, even for our good. How can all this happen? As Paul wrote, if God is for us, who or what can be against us? Your tour of Mosaic Church is now complete. Yeah, isn't that great? And before, before we transition and tell you where we're going from here, I just want to make a final point from what we've learned over the years and a final point from what that video brings to my mind from Colossians 1. Let's look at verse 10 briefly. It says, for he has what? Rescued who? Us. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the sun he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And when I see that video, it calls to mind all that God has done for us. And I think, God, yes, that's true. You have rescued us. You've rescued us over and over. And I want you to know today, whether it's your first time here or a thousandth time here, that God can do the same for you. He can rescue you no matter your dire circumstances, no matter your needs. He cares for you. He is a rescuer. That's who he is. And uh, one of my friends who's this like top level uh, genius kind of consultant, church consultant guy, he said, Morgan, he said, when I see your church and when I see the story and what all you've been through, I want you to know that 97% plus of all the churches who go through less than what you've gone through don't make it. And some of you know that what I'm saying is true because you've lived that in another lifetime yourself. 97% plus of churches don't make it. They shut the, the lights off. They close the doors. They lock the, everything up. They go home and they don't make it. He said, but you guys have. That lets me know that God has a plan for you. And I'll say amen to that. And I want to tell you something. God spoke to me this week from uh, 1 Corinthians. You know that part where it says it, it hasn't even entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love him. And John said in the first service, he said, we couldn't have made this up. Are you kidding me? Man, who can make this kind of stuff up? God can. God can make this up because it has not even entered into our hearts. All that God has prepared for us. He's a rescuer. That's what he does. And like our bank told us one time. They were taking a look at our, our numbers and our money. They looked at our stuff when uh, the tide was starting to turn. And they said that you all are either lucky you're really smart or there's a higher power at work. We said, we'll take what's behind door number three. Thank you. That's our third option. They were saying that you, we have been rescued. We've been rescued. See, when God starts something, he's faithful to complete it. And that's the kind of church that you and I are a part of today.
Now, we've talked a little bit about leadership and the fact that character really matters. It, it matters how we lead and what we do. Um, we talked a little bit about testimonies and the power of remembering what God has done. Now, I want to make it clear that, that the testimony that we talked about was the sum total of individual decisions that people made in this church to be part of what God did. That same moment exists for us here today. The, the decisions that we make today will be our testimonies of tomorrow. And as we've discussed our growth and our needs, we feel like now is the time to take a step forward and raise the funds necessary to create a youth space over in Building C. Now, I want to talk a little bit about why we have that need and why we think it needs to be over there in Building C and then cast a little bit of vision for how we think God is going to use this space. Now, as Morgan has shown us on the growth slides, that blue part up there, that kid part up there, that's all the M stuff, M youth, M kids, Mm -hmm. that's grown tremendously. In 2010, I kid you not, my kids, Morgan's kids, and probably Quinn and the Millikens' kids constituted about 50% of our children's (laughs) ministry. Okay, Now we have hundreds of kids that we minister to back there every week. Uh, So clearly we need the space. And why we want to, to, to do it over in Building C to create this youth space over there is that we do want to create a unique place for the youth to call their own. Now, we'll have some slides that will come up here and show some pictures. But the key point, really, is that we want to create what will function like a sanctuary for the youth over there, the youth of our church, where they will be able to have the the technological uh, devices that we have in Elevate that will allow them to have their own worship service. Now, a second and far more practical reason for putting it over in Building C is because it's much, much cheaper. Now, the reason it's much, much cheaper is because we have functioning HVAC units over there that are the result of the, the blessing. It's a continued blessing that we've gotten from those, those uh, uh, tenants that spent five years over there. We have had so many people over the years talk to us about the financial blessing that this facility has been because of our ability to take basically blank space and build out classrooms in it, build out space in it. Believe me, when we had no money, it felt like an alba, uh, like, a, like a millstone around our neck. But God has taken that millstone and he's turned it into a, basically a hot air balloon that has picked us up and lifted us up um, and, and is doing so much with us. The other thing we want to do is we want to try and deal with a problem of congestion with our bathrooms over here. We have a number, we have two really large bathrooms over there on the far back hall. And so we want to reconfigure MKIDS a little bit that will allow us to better access those bathrooms while maintaining our strict uh, adherence to, to security for our children. Now those things are, are, are both really important in trying to decide the timing and de- deciding the location of where to do this. Now as far as the vision, I want you to think about Elevate. And just all the things that happen in there that are way above and beyond just youth ministry. I mean, we have singles events there. We have prayer ministry there. We have foundation classes. That, that space has been leveraged to minister to so many people over the last number of years in this church. Now, if you've been here long enough, you know that we did a similar thing like this for that space over there. We didn't have the money to do it, but we went to the church, cast the vision, and raised the money to create that space. God has used Elevate in a lot of ways to make us who we are today. And I think that we have that same opportunity uh, before us today 
that, again, we have the opportunity to create a testimony for tomorrow by our actions today. Now we get to the money. And to that point, I'm going to let Galen talk to you about the money. Great. Guys, the target number that we have is $150,000. So I'll just pause. That, that equates to a net net of $200 per person per adult, or for a husband and wife household, $400. And um, guys, I can tell you that we have nothing but confidence that we're going to do this. It's going to happen. We're not, you all saw the video. Come on. One way or the other, it's going to happen. That's our faith statement. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. In Jesus' name, guys. We're excited about this because we know God has already made provision for it. We're excited because we get to see how is he going to unravel it so that we can watch it manifest before our very eyes. Amen? Yeah, one thing that we didn't mention also was in addition to the, the brand new youth space and the reconfiguration of MKIS, we also want to include in there uh, a sport court for our youth to be able to do, to play basketball and to play sports out here on our property as well. So uh, again, we're not doing a building, no building campaign, just a facilities ask, uh, no pledge cards, no mailers, no dinners, all that's good stuff. But today, just a simple ask. Uh, and so like Galen said, that comes out to roughly 200 per person, uh, 400 for a couple, but maybe there's somebody here today who's who can do like all of it you just want to you say i've got some access to a fund i know i know somebody i could go somewhere i've got an account somewhere i've got this deal coming through i've got that why did i get that check in the mail well it's for something like this today now some of you of course can only give less and that's okay but we'd love for you to participate uh no matter what but again, some of you could give a larger chunk, 10, 50, who knows how much more uh, percent of our goal. So our, our goal with this is just to open your eyes and show you what the uh, kind of a church that you're a part of. And we want to write another chapter in our story. Now, here's the, the final piece of this. Uh, we hope to have all of this raised by the end of November. By the end of November, we want to stay out of December and all the Christmas holiday time and all that. And we feel like giving you the next sort of 30 days-ish is plenty of time for everybody to figure it out, participate, and uh, anticipate having this completed by March-ish, somewhere around the middle of March to get it done. So uh, today, when we get done, you'll have a, a card reader option. If you man, you say, I know what I want to do. Now, what we want to do, uh, go out in the lobby. They'll have a table there with card readers. Of course, you can give through our app. There's an envelope in front of you for a cash or check. You can put that in those uh, brown giving boxes on the way out. I believe the drop-down option is building, uh, either online or on the app. And I'm excited about this. I'm excited about making it happen. Who knows? Maybe we can ha- make it happen all in one day. You know, Friday morning at our prayer meeting, which you should totally come to if you're able to at 7 a.m. I think Eric Ryan, and I don't know if Eric's in this service, but Eric was praying. And uh, yeah, and Eric was praying about it. And he said, you know what? He's made like Black Friday's coming up. And people part with their money for all kinds of bad reasons when they see that something's on sale. And, he's, and Eric's a guy who knows something or two about construction and facilities. And he said, man, we could get all of this for 150000 He's like, that's like having a youth facility on sale. He's like, man, forget Black Friday. You know what we're going to do this weekend? We're going to go and, and put a youth facility in our cart. There's a youth facility on sale. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go pick one up for us today. Uh, just grab it right off the shelf and make it ours. Because again, much more than just youth and kids, it's for all of us. We're all going to end up utilizing that space. I'd like to have the, the monies in again by the end of the month so we can get forward, going forward ASAP. Can we do this? 
Yeah, we can do this. So we're going to stand together here in just a moment and ask God to do this, to provide for us, to do it again, just like he has every single time. I'm so glad to be a part of this with you, uh, friends and, and, and church family, to be a part of Jesus's great story in our city, in our day. Would you stand with me as we pray?